Hey, when you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about those out-of-pocket costs. Now, that could be a lot of money, but are your medical bills accurate? Now, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills actually contain errors. Now, HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, or fraud. Now, you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, to date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Check them out online, healthlock.com. Go there today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Pure Talk, my sponsor and my wireless company, of now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. Now, as you plan your summer travel, make sure that your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Now, you can get unlimited talk and text, plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile for the exact same service. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N, make the switch today. Save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. If you're like me and suffer from insomnia, you know what? That's not fun. You know, I tried everything. I couldn't get a good night's sleep. And this is neither drug nor alcohol induced. That's right. It is my pillow. Mike Lindell invented it, and he fitted me for my first my pillow, and it's changed my life. I fall asleep faster, stay asleep longer, and the good news, you can too. Just go to mypillow.com, promo code Sean, and take advantage of one of Mike Lindell's best offers, his special four pack. You get 50% off two my pillow premium pillows to go anywhere pillows. Now, my pillow's made in the USA, has a 60 day unconditional money back guarantee, no risk to you, and a 10 year warranty. You don't want to spend more sleepless nights on a pillow tossing and turning that's not working for you. Just go to MyPillow.com right now. Use the promo code Sean, and you get Mike Lindell's special four-pack. You get two MyPillow premium pillows, two go-anywhere pillows, 50% off, and you'll start getting the kind of peaceful and restful and comfortable and deep-healing and recuperative sleep you've been craving and deserve. MyPillow.com, promo code Sean. All right, glad you're with us. Wow, it's great to be able to do a show with a little bit of sleep in the system. I think it helps. I feel way awake and energized and refreshed and ready to go. Uh, 800-941-SEAN is a toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. A lot of ground to cover today. Uh, We'll be checking in with Rand Paul, just blasting away at the insanity of his colleagues for daring to talk to Vladimir Putin about nuclear proliferation and to talk about, oh, let's see, Syrian refugees, and we're losing a ton of people on a daily basis and maybe how to resolve that. And 
radical Islamic terrorism. Yeah, because Russia's also had issues there and and dealing with the rogue state, the number one state sponsor of terror, Iran, and also their proxy wars and terror support that they are involved in. Yeah, forget about that. You know what it's like with the media, though? It's actually really fun to watch. If it wasn't so serious, if they weren't so insane that it is it is beyond borderline psychotic at this point. But it, if it wasn't so serious, it's like you watch these people. This is it's sort of like lighting a, a piece of dynamite or an M80 or a firecracker. Use any analogy you want. And it's like they they are on a really short fuse and something happens and it's like, boom. And they just the, all of a sudden you get a spontaneous uh little funnel cloud that comes out of them and all this energy is screaming and yelling and it's mostly in their own circles though they mostly talk to themselves one of the things somebody wrote me last night when we were playing these montages on Hannity of the media and their freak out their Helsinki freak out which is the latest freak out there's pretty much a daily freak out and they're saying it's amazing how, like, within seconds, they all have the same talking points, the same ideas, the same words. Because here's what's happening. If they live in this little bubble, in this little social media world that only they really know about, they don't have any big impact. It's not like they send out a tweet of one of their stories and anybody that cares and the country is paying attention to what they think is the single greatest bit of reporting ever done and meanwhile they've missed the biggest corruption abuse of scandal story in their careers and they just stay focused on all things that are anti-Donald Trump and it's amazing because they talk to each other and if you retweet my article I'll retweet your article if you quote me in your article I'll quote you in my article and then yeah they begin to all sort of sound alike and do the same phrases and there's a certain desperation that has now kicked in. Now, this is with the Democratic Party and with the media. And that's why it's sort of like a tornado touches down and with all the violence and fury that they can muster up. And then it sort of goes away and they try and inflict as much damage as quickly as they can and and create the sense and the hope that this is the smoking gun. This will bring the president down. This is the final thing that we now have him on. And it never works. It works for a little bit. You get a little short-term bump maybe in ratings or whatever it is. But you cannot sustain a lie like this. And this has been what the media has been since November 9th at about 2 o'clock in the morning Eastern time when Donald Trump, Hillary concedes, and Donald Trump is the president of the United States, the president-elect. They've not stopped since then. It's only gotten worse and at different points in time, they've psychologically this been this has been one devastating blow to them after another. He wasn't going to win the primary. They laughed at the idea of his candidacy when he came down that escalator over at Trump Tower. They laughed at the idea that he would lose in a primary field of seventeen candidates, one by one. They leave. He stays, and almost from the beginning, he's in the middle of the debate stage where the highest polling person is, and he wins the nomination. And they think it's great because they think Hillary's going to absolutely eviscerate him. But the deep state, they had just to be super extra, extra sure, and they don't want to lose the candidacy of Hillary Clinton. She's the favored candidate. That That's when the whole instance of rigging the investigation comes into play. A person that should have been arrested. We've identified all the laws that she violated of the Espionage Act, 
There's no clearer case for obstruction than the Hillary Clinton case, as evidenced by me on this program the day that Robert Mueller said he wants the phones of everybody's investigating. I said, if I said, now if is a pretty important word in that sentence, if I told people, if I said, and then at some point when I said it's a really bad idea and it's not going to work out well for you if you do it, meaning delete emails and then use bleach bit and then break up the devices and remove the SIM cards and turn the itsy bitsy pieces over in that case to Robert Mueller. In other words, exactly what Hillary Clinton did. It would be hand and then all the liberal headlines. It's like they know it's wrong because they say Hannity is trying to obstruct an investigation. He's trying to obstruct justice. No, because I said, if I told them this, it would not work out well for them. It would work out badly. It's a, I actually said the words, it's a bad idea. And so they know all these things, but it didn't bother them. To this day, I cannot fathom or understand, and this was an amazing part of Chris Wallace's interview with Vladimir Putin. How, how is it possible? Now just for a second, if you can do this, if you can just imagine is acknowledging up front that Russia, yeah, has tried to create as much chaos and tries to meddle and tries to interfere in not only our elections, and they have for many, many years, but the elections of many other countries. This is what they do and who they are. It's a hostile regime, and Putin's a bad actor. But imagine the propaganda that Putin gets to say, well, on the emails... And he said this to Chris Wallace. I don't think anything that were in the emails weren't true. Didn't people get fired over what was in the emails? Well, yeah, they rigged it. Nobody seems on the left to care. The fix was in. They tried to fix and did fix a primary election for president of the United States. Nobody ever talks about it. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of a big deal in the United States of America and so that evidence exists. So what does that do propaganda-wise for them? But anyway, back to the media. They cannot stand right now. Not only did Trump win, not only in spite of all of the, the assist, the law-breaking, the literal obstruction of justice that would have put every other American in jail for the Espionage Act, violations, felonies, mishandling, and destroying of such classified information, top secret information, that would have put all of you in jail. And we've given you numerous examples of Americans that did far less, that spent time in jail. And then, of course, when you are subpoenaed by a court or by Congress, it doesn't matter if you delete the emails and you use acid wash, bleach pit is what it is. It's not a true acid wash for those in the media that are too dumb to figure that out. And then you delete... And you acid wash, you bust up the devices, you remove the SIM cards. That's called obstruction. Anybody else in America would be held accountable for such actions, not Hillary. Because the exoneration, the fix, was in. And this raises now a really interesting point about the president not trusting. And he was very clear in his tweet yesterday. You know, he doesn't trust those intelligence people. Trust the people that he has. And he mentioned... Dan Coates by name and Gina Haspel by name and some other people. Yeah, he trusts them. You know, there's a New York Times story today that says Russia isn't the only one meddling in elections. We do it, too. That's in there. 
Does that surprise anybody? I know this is going to sound bad, but my answer is I hope so. I hope we defend ourselves. I actually am am pretty upset that after all these years, knowing that we have cyber attacks the way we have it against our government, and they've successfully done so numerous times, going back 30 years, I'm frankly really ticked off that our government has not built up a cyber defense that prevents this from happening. Because what did Obama do in eight years? Because, by the way, in 2008, the Russians did it to the McCain and the Obama campaign. They did it again in 2012. They did it. We were warned in 2014 that it would happen in 2016 by Devin Nunes. And I'm telling you right now, they're going to do it this year, and they're going to try, and they're going to try in 2020. Because that's who they are and what they do. Nobody seemed to care that the prime minister of Israel, this is our closest ally in Israel, because Obama never liked Prime Minister Netanyahu because Prime Minister Netanyahu believes in peace through strength. And, of course, we know that Obama was the great appeaser, so they had a different philosophy. But we know that Obama and our own government, with some of your tax dollars, actually targeted with political operatives known to Obama the defeat of Prime Minister Netanyahu in the last election they had there. Anyway, the New York Times goes on, the long arm of Vladimir Putin, no, a small sampling of the U.S. history of intervention in foreign elections. Bags of cash delivered to a Rome hotel for favored Italian candidates. Scandalous stories leaked to foreign newspapers to swing an election in Nicaragua. Millions of pamphlets, posters, stickers printed to defeat an incumbent in Serbia. On Tuesday, American intelligence chiefs warned the Senate intel community that Russia appears to be preparing a repeat in the 2018 midterm elections, uh, the full-on chicanery they unleashed in 2016, hacking, leaking, social media manipulation, and possibly more. Robert Mueller announced the 13, you know, Russian indictments, or the 12 Russian indictments. Where, you know, that's like saying to the United States, send over 12 Americans in the CIA. Um, but my answer is, I hope we're countering what they do to us, but more importantly, where's the cyber defense? If American Department of Defense and NASA was hacked into over 30 years ago, you know, what point do we look at ourselves and say, we're not doing the right thing that we need to up our game in terms of cybersecurity and protect the American people? You know, look at the people, though. How does Donald Trump support and intelligence community with people like Clapper and Brennan and Comey and these political operatives. I mean, you have all of them that have been out for this president from day one. And now we are beginning slowly, we're going to get to the bottom of it, reveal the nefarious activities that they've all been involved in. You know, now we've got James Comey campaigning for Democrats. Democrats demanding to interrogate Trump's Helsinki summit interpreter. You know, there's a story in the L.A. Times how the Clinton administration interfered in Russia's 1996 election. Well, the Clintons apparently are experts at it. Just ask Bernie Sanders. And we know that she helped get a rigged investigation for her. And she's the one that paid for the Russian dossier. The the Clintons are the experts. Bring them in. Let's ask them the questions. Anyway, 800-941-SEAN is our toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. we got a lot coming up on the program. Newt Gingrich today. We've got Rand Paul. 
Rand Paul's been right on civil liberties. It's, it's worse than I ever thought. And it gets worse every day. Your privacy, your security is non-existent. All right, so I'm going to put together, you know, I happen to be, and I'm going to get into this when we get back, a huge supporter and believer in the need for intelligence. This world is evil. There's evil all over this world. We have a lot of enemies. And unfortunately, in an evil world with a lot of enemies, you need to be, you need to have the threat of force to prevent them from bringing harm to us. It just is the nature of the world we live in. I wish evil didn't exist, but it does. I wish 30-plus million people weren't killed under Stalin. I wish we never had to deal with communism and its death and its misery. I wish there wasn't a refugee crisis where innocent men, women, and children are dying this very day in Syria. I wish there wasn't Christian persecution in this day and age, which exists. Look at the Yazidis and, and some other groups. I wish we never had to deal with fascism or Nazism, imperialism, but it's been what we've had to deal with. And to not recognize the true nature of the world and these real threats that exist and not to understand the need for America, America to be a superpower is just foolish. But and with that said, we need the best tools of intelligence. What does intelligence gives us? It gives us it gives us warning. It helps us prepare properly. It lets us know what we are dealing with. Also helps us. You know, there are things that we can do. You know, we're victims of cyber war, apparently, as a government all the time, because we have no cyber defense that's worth, you know, it's worth a nickel. It's pathetic. It's sad. We need to fix it. But on the other hand, these other countries, they too, we can find out what's in their minds, what their plans, what their thinking is. All right, we'll get to all this. I'll explain when we get back. Newt Gingrich, Graham Paul, much more. 800-941-SEAN as we continue. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. 800-941-SEAN is our number if you want to be a part of the program. All right, so now here's a question. I want to play a montage of James Clapper, John Brennan, Philip Mudd, uh, former CIA Director Panetta, James uh, Comey. And I want yourself, and remember the, the admonition of Chuck Schumer. Oh, better not dig on the intel community. You're going to get you six ways with Sunday. By the way, if Chuck Schumer's right, me, Sarah, Greg, we're all dead. They're just, you know, just think about it because we're not taking on the intel community. We're taking on the highest levels of the FBI and those that were abusing power in the intelligence community and weaponizing the powerful tools of intelligence we give them and you know, knowingly lying to FISA court judges to spy on American citizens. Well, it turns out all these people now are all over TV. All these people that had all that power in the year that Putin, who we should have known about, that Devin Nunes warned about, that Obama said no country could rig our elections. He did say that. You know, no serious person would think they could do that ever. And he didn't do anything about it because he thought Hillary was going to win. Told Trump to stop whining. Remember? Well, I guess a country could rig our elections. They had done it in the past, and they did it this time. And we have warnings they'll do it next time. But everyone's up in arms over the fact that the president doesn't trust the intelligence community. Now, the president clarified he does trust his intelligence team. 
and he does agree with their assessment. I played five times last night, five separate occasions, where he said, yeah, Russia meddled, interfered with the last election. Because they were trying to say when he said he misspoke that he didn't think that Russia had done this. He said, yeah, Russia and other countries. Remember the original draft of the exoneration for Hillary before the 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 exoneration written before the investigation. Remember, they themselves, meaning Strzok and Comey, yeah, that was very likely that, in fact, six, five or six foreign intel services had hacked into her computers. I don't think there's any doubt about it. None whatsoever. Of course, we don't have the DNC servers. We don't have her servers. They were acid washed with bleach bit. We don't have her phones. We don't have her devices. We don't have the 33,000 emails. We don't have anything. DNC servers, they said, no, we're not giving them to the FBI. How did they get to decide that? Where are those servers today? wonder if they were acid washed with bleach pit. But if you want to know how politically charged things were, just listen to these same people now on television. Clapper, Brennan, Mudd, Panetta, Comey. Listen. I actually went to the Thesaurus to try to capture phraseology that would uh, describe what I witnessed uh, today at at this uh, unbelievable news conference. And I think the president reflected his incompetence and his naivete and his gullibility uh, with with, uh, President Putin and the presence of President Putin and, and before the whole world. And he is uh, aiding and abetting uh, our arch adversary and has failed, in my mind, uh, to live up to his constitutional obligations and responsibilities. Those who are going to be silent in this administration are complicit. Uh, And so they need to be able to speak out very strongly. But what Mr. Trump did yesterday was to betray the women and men of the FBI, the CIA, NSA, and others, and to betray the American public. And that's why I use the term that this is nothing short of treasonous, because it is a betrayal of the nation. He is giving aid and comfort to the enemy, and it needs to stop. And Mr. Trump needs to understand that there are going to be consequences for him, too. Curious point in American government. When do we see almost a shadow government come out and say, we cannot side with the government, whether it's the cabinet or the Senate? I think that's the big question. This president basically coddled uh, Mr. Putin, and it was clear that he was intimidated by that uh, that situation. Uh, whether, whether the Russians have something on this president or not, uh, no one really knows. But the way he behaves, uh, there is a clear signal that the Russians have something on him. I had a negative opinion of him that was fact-based. I had serious concerns about his ability to respect the obligation to tell the truth. Let me tell you, you take on the intelligence community, they have six ways from Sunday at getting back at you. So even for a practical, supposedly hard-nosed businessman, he's being really dumb to do this. From what I am told, they are very upset with how he has treated them and talked about them. There's been no president that has praised law enforcement, the vets in this country, that has moved to help veterans on health care and make sure that they get served as well or praise law enforcement as liked by law enforcement, including FBI, including Secret Service. And I know because I meet and I see these people as this president is. So that's just... It's the same deep state actors that were involved in all of these shenanigans.
that are the biggest critics of the president. That's that's a danger, clear and present danger. Rigging a presidential election, attempting to, saving a candidate from certain indictment because you're in charge of the investigation because that's your favorite candidate, and then using you know, any means necessary, including the tools of intelligence, lying to FISA courts knowingly to get warrants on people, using surveillance, not minimization, unmasking people, and leaking raw intelligence, that's all happened. And we're talking about the same actors here. We are talking about the same people. That's the the hyper-partisanship of John Brennan. Well, John Brennan was passing around the phony dossier to Harry Reid and and nobody had ever verified it. Turns out it was debunked. Well, what is that? What if you take a bought and paid for dossier? Let's just stay on that issue for one second. And you funnel the money because you don't want it to show up as a campaign expense. So you make it a legal expense and you send it to a law firm. The law firm then hires the op research firm. The op research firm then hires the foreign national, this case, former MI6 spy, MI6 spy uses Russian and Russian government sources, puts together a salacious dossier in an interrogatory under the threat of perjury. He says, oh, it's raw intelligence, maybe 50-50. Any of this might be true. None of it's corroborated. Number, none of it's verified. But yet it's used by people like Brennan and then disseminated by people like him to his political friends like Harry Reid and then to the people in the media Remember the whole Isikoff issue, the same source, double sourcing, same source for the seemingly looks like two independent sources, but it was the same source in the hopes that you can now use that dossier and then you do use it. They didn't do what the law requires, which is to verify it or corroborate it. They didn't follow FBI protocols as such either. And they bring it before a FISA judge that had previously denied the warrant. Well, the warrants approved, but they didn't say who bought and paid for it, nor did they say they didn't do their due diligence and follow the law by authenticating it and making sure it's real. Well, that then gives them the warrant that they want for a Trump campaign associate, backdoors them into all things in Trump world at that particular time. The opposition party candidate paid for it. That only becomes a, you know, a footnote might have a slight political tinge to it when in fact it was all political and then it gets signed off and then it gets reauthorized and reauthorized and reauthorized and people like Sally Yates are part of the authorization process. And then of course you have Rod Rosenstein, he authorized the last one. And I am told the 19 pages in that final FISA warrant application are devastating. And then of course you have the deep state protects the deep state and people like Rosenstein, he's in charge of the whole mess, and he's at the, the center of all of it, as is Peter Strzok on the other side of it. And so he doesn't want Congress to do their job, which is oversight, and subpoenas are ignored, lies are told, perfect, you know, things are redacted in the name of national security that have nothing to do with national security at all. Um, and it just goes on and on. Meanwhile, we know it's the biggest abuse of power because they rigged. This was about fixing a presidential election that we have proof for the people involved. Now you wonder, well, why is Donald Trump not trust some people in the intel community? Well, James Comey is out there, Mr. Boy Scout, 
you know, thinks that he's holier than now. Now he's openly campaigning for the Democratic Party. Now, the deep state desperately wants the Democrats to win in November for no other reason is that the investigations will be halted. It will stop in its tracks because they will not continue to find out all the information how these actors abuse their power and corruptly tried to impact a presidential election. They'll all be protected. James Comey, you know, is not a fan of mine. Said he never listens to me, but apparently he does. I'll get to that later. You have Mueller preparing to wrap up his probe by the end of August. The report is out in the Washington Post. We'll see if that's true. One other note on Comey before we go forward. Um, I see that, you know, he tweeted, all who believe in this country's values must vote for Democrats this fall. Policy differences don't matter right now. History has its eyes on us. Well, even the press secretary for Hillary Clinton just flatly rejected Comey's call to support Democrats. Democrats don't want your endorsement, but thanks anyway. I would just say he has the right to remain silent if he had a half a brain in him. He would. Anyway, this is um, no wonder Democrats sound so desperate these days. This is what this election is going to be about. Democrats will end all investigations. And they will start an investigation a day. And then they will somehow find, whip themselves into a frenzy where they can sort of try to make the case for impeachment because they don't have any positive agenda that's going to help the American people. And the single biggest threat to their power right now is Donald Trump's massive amount of success. I just saw Kim Jong-un, little rocket man, is preparing now to send back the remains of soldiers from the Korean War. Another promise the president, another agreement that the president made for the families of the fallen. Um, So Democrats are desperate. Robert Mueller is preparing to wrap up most of his Russiagate investigation by the end of next month, according to The Washington Post. And they're making preparations over at the Justice Department to take over whatever cases Mueller leaves open. In other words, this could be in its final days. And this whole last Russia thing was just enough to get Russia in there, Russian names in there, people that they know they're never, ever going to be able to talk to or there's never going to be any trial about. Anyway, the 29-page previous Friday indictment by Robert Mueller, you know, blamed specific officers in the Russian government for the 2016 hacking. All right, I'd like to see that evidence. I'd like to know who hacked into Hillary's uh, email server as well. Like to see the emails there. Like to see the DNC server that they didn't have to hand over to the FBI. Why is that? Why'd they get special treatment? You know, Democrats now are so obsessed, they're now demanding to interrogate Trump's Helsinki summit interpreter. What did he say? What did he say? What did he say? Getting a kick out of how the LA Times now writes a piece how the Clinton administration interfered in Russia's 1996 election. It's like Obama interfered in Israeli elections. It's nothing new when countries do this sort of thing. They're acting like it's so, oh, this could never, how did this ever happen? Um, you know, if you ask most Democrats, who was the greatest president of the 20th century? Most will say Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Except younger people will say Barack Obama because that's all they've known. Which is kind of ironic in light of the Democratic hysteria over Trump refusing to start a fist fight with Vladimir Putin during the summit press conference, because while FDR accomplished many great things, one of the darker chapters of his legacy was his decision to give away the store to 
Joseph Stalin, who FDR affectionately referred to as Uncle Joe. Remember that back in the day? Democrats want to find out what a real, you know, in the pocket of Russia looks like. They should read Paul Kanger's American Spectator piece today on how FDR allowed Stalin to enslave post-World War II Europe, condemning tens of millions of, of Poles and Czechs and East Germans and others to a lifetime long totalitarian nightmare. And compared to the way FDR caved to Stalin's demands, Trump looks like Winston Churchill. It's unbelievable. Nothing happened here. But that's not going to stop these people. This is who they are. This is politics. This is all 2018. This is about stopping Trump. If Trump has eight years of success, that is a nightmare for the Democratic Party. Because everything will be compared to their eight years of failure under Obama. And their lack of vision. And their obstructionism. And their constant attacks. And even even the abuse of power and corruption that we now find ourselves trying to get to the bottom of every day. As far as hacking, I think it was Russia, but I think we also get hacked by other countries and other people. And I can say that, you know, when when we lost 22 million uh, names and everything else that was hacked recently, they didn't make a big deal out of that. That was something that was extraordinary. That was probably China. Uh, we had we have much hacking going on. Well, I think it was Russia, and I think it could have been other people in other countries. Uh, could have been a lot of people interfered. I think it was Russia, but I think it was probably other people and or countries. It was Russia, and I think it was probably others also. Well, the Russians had no impact on our votes whatsoever. Uh, but certainly there was meddling and probably there was meddling from other countries and maybe other individuals. I'm with our agencies, especially as currently constituted with their leadership. I believe in our intel agencies, our intelligence agencies. I've worked with them very strongly. Uh, there weren't 17, as was previously reported. There were actually four, uh, but they were saying there were 17. There were actually four. But as currently uh, led by fine people, I believe very much in our intelligence agencies. So all the times that the president of the United States said, yeah, Russia was involved in meddling and hacking. And then they said, well, he said, I misspoke. And there's all the evidence to back up that he had said it again and again and again and again and again. And here we are. The Russians meddled in 08. And they meddled in 12. And, yeah, they tried to meddle and create chaos, as we have long known for a long time, because it's a hostile regime. And Putin is a bad actor. President has said as much. And the media freak out comparing this to Pearl Harbor and 9-11 and everything else in between is beyond anything I've ever seen. Although the tornado seems to be receding now because uh, their hope that somehow that they finally found the magic whatever formula that they'll impeach Trump now. Well, it's not going to happen as they've been trying since November 9th, 2016 at uh, about 3 a.m. in the morning, maybe 2 a.m. 800-941-SEAN is a toll-free telephone number. The sad thing is I've I've gone to this issue many times when guys like, Julian Assange, we know, hacked into the Department of Defense and NASA when they were in their teens. And, uh, you know, however old he is now, we've not built up a cyber defense force in this country. You know, what is wrong with us? 
We have, what, 250,000 IT employees and they can't stop this hacking? Now maybe people will understand why Hillary having top secret special access programming classified information on that private server was so bad and why the original draft by Comey and Peter Strzok was so bad because it said five to six foreign intelligence services had hacked in and gotten all of those methods and and agents and people and secrets that we had. Of course, she wasn't held responsible. Uh, former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, is with us. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, and uh, I was very proud of the president. I thought he did exactly the right thing yesterday in clarifying what he had meant to say. And I think uh, it's pretty hard. If you read the uh, total quotes of what he said yesterday, pretty hard to have an argument with him. What about my point? And I know that you said you thought that at the time, uh, another report, by the way, has just come out. And I think it's fairly, you know, interesting because it wasn't reported previously. And I think this is a bit of a Helsinki breakthrough. And uh, that is that in the days leading up to Helsinki, the Trump administration maneuvered to uh, constrain Russia. Russia's options, the U.S. and Israel exerting military force in Syria and diplomatic pressure on Moscow made clear that Putin would not have a free hand there. And that was all leading up to the the summit. And anyway, it didn't really come up. But the National Security Advisor John Bolton announced that President Trump was scrapping Obama's policy of allowing Iran a free free reign within Syria and would seek a new agreement with Russia that would move Iranian forces out of Syria altogether which is a big deal. Um, so that to me sounds like progress, just like it was just announced the remains of American soldiers from the Korean War will be coming home from North Korea next week. So, you know, things are often a lot deeper than they appear, Mr. Speaker. Well, look, there's no question if you uh, look at how long, first of all, two of them, and then you look at how long they met with their staffs, uh, as the president has said, they covered a lot of ground. Uh, I think in some areas, we may have actually made real progress. And I think uh, that's not a small thing. I, the, the, you know, the, the thing that I, I'm always amazed at our liberal friends who, who would normally be very worried about nuclear war and all that, uh, they don't seem to understand when the president says to them, this is the other guy on the planet who has the most nuclear weapons. And finding a way to make sure that neither of us ever get close to use them is a huge, huge deal. Uh, and I think that Trump is very sensitive to the fact that, well, Russia is a decaying power. Uh, it, its uh, population is declining. Its suicide rate is terrible. Its alcoholism rate is terrible. Its economy is actually smaller than Italy. But nonetheless, they have, they're the only other country that has a huge number of nuclear weapons and you have to be very careful how you deal with them. Well, and there's also other big issues that they were dealing with. And, and I think they're all important. Nuclear proliferation being one of them. Syria, where men, women and children are dying every day as that civil war continues, in part propped up by, by Putin and by Russia. Uh, the Iranian nuclear threat that is is literally now uniting the Middle East in ways that we'd never seen before and, and creating an opportunity for peace probably that we've never seen before. Um, all of these issues I think are, you know, need to be on the table. And if we want to have a safe and a better world. Well, that's exactly right. And I think that that's why the president took the risk of going to Helsinki. I mean, he's not a foolish person. He knows that it is 
more to Putin's advantage than his, but he also thought that if they could open up a serious dialogue, and apparently they had a very good meeting because it lasted twice as long as they thought it would. Uh, and I think that part of the reason that he uh, made the mistake he did in the press conference was he was really on a high. He was, he was, he was feeling really good because they'd had a really positive, solid meeting. Uh, and I think that that led him to be maybe a little more uh, expansive than he should have been. Why is it possible that after all these years of being hacked, why is it possible that they can still hack us? Why haven't we built up the cyber defenses necessary in this day and age? Because it keeps happening again and again and again. Well, I think we have to rewrite the entire cyber command regulations. Currently, the cyber command is captured under the same bureaucratic rules as everybody else. You know, the best hacker in the world is a thousand times better than the fifth best hacker. And that means you've got to have a whole different approach to how you staff, a whole different approach to, to how you compensate people, and a whole different approach to how you think. Uh, I've met several times now with people at Carnegie Mellon who have consistently won uh, the world hacking competition in Las Vegas. And they just think that our current models are just totally, totally wrong. They're, they're never going to work. Uh, and so I think we have, to, we have to look at these really bright people. And one of the points they make is really good first-rate hackers are a little bit weird. They don't fit into a bureaucracy. They don't fit into a military hierarchy. But they are so important and they're so specialized. Well, they work over. They, they probably stay up all night and they do things in the dark. And you can't tell them to come to work at 8 o'clock and leave at 4.30. It's not how they roll. That's right. That's right, and and you can't bore them. I mean, you give them something that fascinates them, and they'll work for you know ninety six hours nonstop. Put them in a room where they got to do boring bureaucratic work, and they'll die. Yeah, and exactly. Think, so I think well, one of the, one of the things we should have is a complete redesign of the cyber command, which is clearly not capable today of doing its job. Let me let me go to this question: What do you make of the the left and their absolute freakout? over the summit when you have all these important issues that were discussed. I, I've always been a firm believer. The president didn't drop $150 billion in, in cash and other currencies, you know, in this meeting with Putin. Uh, the president did basically threaten uh, Putin's entire economy by suggesting that Angela Merkel stop making these energy deals with Vladimir Putin and creating such energy and de uh, dependence on Russia. Um, but at the end of the day, we got 9-11 comparisons, Pearl Harbor comparisons, a former CIA director, communist, that is calling the president, you know, a, uh, a traitor and accusing him of treason. Um, it's just a typical left-wing outrage. Sure. Look, look, I mean, first of all, let me just say that uh, I devoted my whole newsletter today, both at Gingrich Productions and at FoxNews.com, to the, to, to the objective reality that by any standard, Trump has been so much tougher than Obama that it is absurd to in any way suggest that, that he is somehow in, in, uh, in, in Putin's pocket, but Obama wasn't. And it's just unbelievable difference. Second, uh, I point out that the very guys, you mentioned one of them, Brennan, uh, another one's Jim Clapper, the very guys who are attacking Trump were the guys who were supposed to be protecting us who failed totally. I mean, what standing does, does, does either Brennan or uh, Clapper have for lecturing anybody else? They were in charge. They were supposed to defend America. They felt, 
you know, in that period, Trump was a candidate. He didn't have a responsibility. And I think uh, that the truth is Dan Coates and others right now are building up a much stronger effort. But we, until we reform the system, it's not going to quite work. But the third thing, which you and I have talked about several times, and I'm going to sound boring to those of our listeners who heard this before, you have on the left a group of people who have been through a psychic trauma, losing on election night. They're suffering the political equivalent of PTSD. These are the people who were standing outside the Supreme Court the other night, as you remember, close to an hour at the White House when they introduced uh, Judge Kavanaugh, and literally, fill in the blank. Standing outside the Supreme Court, they had they had four cards. Any of the four, they all four were bad by definition. Well, the so same thing was for the summit, right? And then, yeah, they knew they knew Trump would do something terrible. They just didn't know what it was. Um, and I, I think uh, some of the things what, what Brennan said was so despicable that the idea that, well, for that matter, what Comey said today, uh, you can't vote Republican and be a patriot. I mean, if people want to know how sick the deep state is, that's the director of the FBI. That's the head of the CIA. These people are crazed. They represent a loony left. They are radical extremists. Uh, I want to talk to you. I want to pick it up there when we get back. Because I want to talk about how this, why this makes 2018, to me, the most important midterm in our lifetime. Uh, Newt Gingrich is with us, by the way, author of the bestseller, Trump's America, The Truth About Our Nation's Great Comeback. We'll take a quick break. 800-941-SEAN is our number. So next week on this program, we're going to begin identifying those Senate races, those House races that will tip the balance of power in Washington. We continue with former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, author of the book Trump's America, The Truth About Our Nation's Great Comeback. Um, I love what I always go back to what works. And I think a lot of this election is about what the Democrats want. Open borders, keep Obamacare, take the crumbs back, impeach Trump and basically make his life an investigative hell. Um, I don't see anything positive for the American people. But in off-year elections, they're tough. What's the best strategy? Well, I think the best strategy is to slow it down, make clear what the choice is. And there's basically four choices. Choice number one is uh, we, we cut taxes, we cut regulations. We have the best economic growth since Reagan. We have the lowest black unemployment rate in history, lowest Latino unemployment rate. You like, you like jobs. You like take-home pay. You like a growing economy. Vote Republican. If you'd like to go back to the Obama Weak economy, higher black unemployment, uh, higher Latino unemployment, less money in your pocket, vote Democrat. Second, um, we believe the sanctuary cities are dangerous because that lets people like MS-13 in. We believe the people like Keith Ellison, who want an open border, are just plain crazy. Uh, You couldn't function as a country with an open border. We believe that uh, we need a sound, solid immigration policy that is pro-legal immigration, but that cuts off illegal immigration. The Democrats believe, let them all come in, we'll absorb all of them. Uh, the more, the better. Uh, no ICE, no borders, no controls. See you choose. Third, they're now off on this kick about government-run health care, which is a disaster. I mean, t- tell me what government does so well that you actually wanted to take care of your personal health. 
But that, this is going to be a theme everywhere in the country. So let me ask this question. People like uh, Bernie Sanders. So yeah. there are people that are listening to you now, and I know what I would do, but I have a hard time saying it because some of these Republicans didn't keep their promises. Uh, they're very weak. They're afraid to fight. Um, but the option is going to be, you know, they're there. They're not going to vote to impeach Trump. They'll kind of be brought kicking and screaming, supporting the good parts of his agenda, whether they like it or not, versus a Democrat. But people are saying, why should I vote for a rhino? What do you say to them? I say to him exactly what I said to you on the show the other week when I said that two minutes before Trump introduced his, his Supreme Court choice, close your eyes, imagine it was Hillary Clinton, and imagine that she was proposing the second radical Supreme Court justice to fundamentally redesign America. Now, if you're willing to take that risk, if you don't mind open borders, if you don't mind higher taxes, if you don't mind more unemployment, if you don't mind people who are radical extremists being in charge, stay home. But when you do and all that stuff happens, yeah, we, we have some candidates who aren't perfect, but we also, on balance, even our imperfect candidates aren't crazy. And I think right. I, their side uh, is scary. Mr. Speaker, thank you. We appreciate your time. Rand Paul's next. You know, I think engagement with our adversaries, uh, conversation with our adversaries is a good idea. Even in the height of the Cold War, maybe at the lowest ebb when we were in the midst of the Cuban Missile Crisis, I think it was a good thing that Kennedy had a direct line to Khrushchev. I think it was a good thing that we continued to have ambassadors to Russia, even when we uh, really objected greatly to what was going on, even during Stalin's regime. So I think that it is a good idea to have engagement. And I think that what is lost in this is that I think there's a bit of Trump derangement syndrome. I think there are people who hate the president so much that this could have easily been President Obama early in his first uh, administration setting the reset button and trying to have better relations with Russia. That was Senator Rand Paul commenting on the absolute liberal media left-wing freakout over the Helsinki summit. It is interesting as part of our opening monologue today. I, I brought up it. We have a montage. Maybe we'll play it for him. James Clapper, John Brennan, Philip Mudd, Panetta, James Comey, Chuck Schumer. They'll get you six ways in Sunday. And it certainly appears that criticism is warranted of those that have, in fact, abused the enormous powers that we have given them. And that's with surveillance and unmasking and not using a process known as minimization and leaking raw intelligence, lying to FISA courts, not doing their job as it relates to intelligence, and then seeing the the bitter partisanship uh, especially on the the part of those people that were holdovers or those people that left when Obama left. Uh, Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky joins us now. How are you, sir? Very good, Sean. You know, there have been news reports that also say that uh, at Langley, at CIA headquarters, they were convening a meeting that had Brennan and uh, Comey and Clapper and others basically organizing to distribute what they said was information about the Trump campaign, which turns out to be basically just stuff concocted by the Hillary Clinton campaign on this fake dossier. But then they were organizing a group basically to use the powers of the CIA to spread it throughout government to try to gin up this whole thing for this uh, Mueller investigation. They were doing that at the end of the Obama administration, and, and they really have not been sufficiently called out. Well, we know, Brennan, don't we know that he shared the dossier with then Harry Reid and Harry Reid acted on the dossier? And again, uh, would that be his job to do such? It sounds a little bit like the former KGB. 
Brennan has gone out of his way to really be a partisan, you know, after the election, but it sounds like he was a partisan before the election. And really, this is the thing that people should think about. Do we need a CIA and an FBI? Sure, they do uh, great things. Most of them are good people. And yet, the person who has now destroyed the credibility of the CIA and the FBI, or basically James Comey, has done more to destroy the credibility of the FBI than anybody, but so is John Brennan, destroying the capabilities, destroying the credibility of an agency that, that we do have to have in this world, and yet we now see that it can also be used for evil. And I think John Brennan truly was using the power of the CIA to try to uh, work against President Trump when he was the head of the CIA. When I talk about a deep state, when I talk about the upper echelon, not the rank and file, and I do think that's an important distinction that you just made and I make often, and I look at the what they have done, the unmaskings of what a person a day by the the ambassador to the United Nations. Why would Samantha Powers need to unmask an American citizen a day? How is that within her realm of responsibilities? No, I think they were using the apparatus of the intelligence community to spy on Americans and for political purposes. This is why, even before this all started, you know, you and I have had this conversation years ago. I want more controls on unmasking. I want more controls on searching these databases, because these databases are collected on foreigners, but Americans get caught up as in the tangential aspects of how this information is collected. So I don't want Peter Strzok sitting over at the FBI saying, hey, I'm going to type in Don Donald Trump and his kids and all of their friends and all of their donors, I'm going to type them into this list and see if I can get some dirt on them in a database that was collected for terrorism. So what I've been saying all along, and I continue to talk to the president about this because I think he has the power to do this on his own, I think the president could write an order that says tomorrow, from now on, the FBI can only search these terrorist databases if they have a warrant, either a FISA warrant about terrorism or a warrant from a domestic judge if it's not about terrorism. Frankly, if it's not about terrorism, the FBI shouldn't be looking in a terrorist database because that is collected on foreigners, not on Americans. You know, I've had people on this program like Bill Binney and Philip Haney, and I'm sure you're probably aware who these gentlemen are. I mean, combined, it's like 70 years of experience in the intelligence community. In the case of, of, of Philip Haney, he helped form the Department of Homeland Security, was told to actually erase a lot of the intelligence that they had gathered against bad actors when Obama became president. And and guys like Bill Binney saying that every American phone call, every text message, every email is being metadata stored. And I've never, ever been able to get full confirmation that, in fact, that practice happens. As a matter of course, is the government monitoring pretty much any everything that, that we do communications-wise? Before there was a reform bill passed about two years ago, they were collecting it all, and they were storing it at a billion-dollar underground facility in Utah. So, yes, without question, they admitted it. This is what James Clapper lied about, though. Snowden revealed that there was an order to Verizon saying we want to collect all of your phone data. So Verizon was having to send all of their data to the government, and they were st storing it in Utah. So it was AT&T, so were all the phone companies. We passed a reform bill, and the reform bill says the government can go search this at the phone company, but they don't get to extract all of this data and keep it on their own computers. So currently these searches still occur, and I'm not against the searches. If we have, you know, if John if it's Smith called is probable to cause, a terrorist though. in Pakistan, I'm all for it, for looking at the records. 
I just want to identify the person who is the target, name them, and ask a FISA court judge. What do you think, as as we look at what happened with the FISA case and how four FISA judges were lied to, are we ever going to hear from these judges? Because my experience in life, Senator, has been that you don't lie to a judge. You say, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, and yes, your honor. And the idea that people would lie to FISA court judges or that They would present information that they knew was political, that it was an opposing candidate. The bulk of information came from a phony dossier, a political document bought and paid for uh, by um, Hillary Clinton's campaign and the DNC through funneled money through a law firm to a group called Fusion GPS, hiring a foreign national that used Russian sources that all turned out to be debunked and lied. And even he said in an interrogatory under the threat of perjury that it was maybe 50-50 and that, in fact, this was all unsubstantiated information. But that you know, that's, that was that's, being peddled by everybody. That's a great question because I was just thinking how you could possibly have this happen. Typically, the FISA court judges meet in secret, and judges typically just don't say things outside the court. But, you know, there is one way that the Department of Justice could bring this forward. They should bring an action in the FISA court before the same judge that approved the dossier and say, we now have information that only one side was presented and that it wasn't revealed that this came from Hillary Clinton's campaign. Knowing this now, we'd like you to render a judgment again on whether or not you would have given permission for these things to happen. Then you could get an official rebuke from a court and a judge and ask them to do it in a declassified manner. I think that's the only way you could get it to work, but that's a great idea for the Department of Justice to initiate that action to see if we can get the same federal judge or a team of federal judges to weigh in, because I think that... Wouldn't we have the right to subpoena? Again, wouldn't Congress, through oversight, have the right to subpoena these judges and get their take on how they feel about... Probably not. I mean, there's a a certain degree of independence and needs to be between the judiciary and the legislative branch. But I do think that... But but don't we need uh, to find out if... I think the president could request a, a hearing now that there is new data on this dossier and find out what the judges would say. Would you still give this now that you know? And is it a problem? Will you rebuke those who gave you this dossier without telling you it came from Hillary Clinton? Uh, I think you could get a rebuke from a judge, but only if you have a legal action before them. They're not going to go to the newspaper and talk. And even if you get the action before them, you're going to have to get special permission to make it public because a lot of the things they do, you know, are, are done in secret. If you knowingly present unverified, uncorroborated, what turns out to be false information to obtain a warrant on an American citizen that just happens to be a big part or associated with a particular presidential campaign for the very purpose of backdooring all the information that is within that campaign, which happened, uh, isn't that a crime? Well, yeah, and I think really you can be disbarred. You can be actually imprisoned for it. The only way to get to that, though, is probably – I don't think Congress can necessarily do it. Congress can force people to testify, not judges. Uh, they may or may not be able to force people if these were prosecutors from within Department of Justice. But really, this is something that the Department of Justice could do, and that's a question. Who brought this uh, FISA warrant forward? Who, asked the, who brought the dossier and presented it? And do we have documentation that they knew it was from Hillary Clinton and didn't present it? Because because that is a dishonesty. And you'll remember there have been court cases where prosecutors have, have not presented the information to the defense and they have been disbarred. You remember the lacrosse case down in North Carolina? Yeah. That prosecutor eventually went Nifong. to prison and lost remember his that? license. Yeah, the guy's yep. name was Nifong. It was another case that we stuck our neck out on and we were right about in the end as well. The media had jumped on the bandwagon with hysteria 
Um, what do you make of the environment that exists in the country today that, you know, I'm, I'm convinced if Donald Trump cured cancer at this point and gave every American $10 million, the media and Democrats would still hate him. You know, I think this latest episode has really convinced me that there is a Trump derangement syndrome. There are truly people who just hate him uh, for a variety of reasons. Some people hate his policy, but a lot of them have a personal dislike of him. They think that they're somehow better than him, and they look down on the president and say, oh, he expresses himself this way, and I don't think that that's right for the president. And so they have this holier-than-thou attitude, but they truly hate the president, and they're so deranged by this hatred, they're not willing to listen to anything. And this particularly goes for the Democrats, who – If President Obama had met with Putin, which he did, if George W. Bush had met with Putin, as he did, there was there was no complaint. There was no outcry. And when I brought this up on CBS uh, morning show the other day, she said, oh, well, no one would have objected to him meeting with Putin if that's all it was. And I said, you're absolutely wrong. Did you not watch the news? Every Democrat came forward from the Senate and said he shouldn't meet with Putin. So it wasn't no. just about the statement or this statement about the intelligence reports. It was about the Democrats and many of the war, the war caucus on the Senate side, on the Republican side. They just didn't want him to meet with Putin at all. And this goes against everything that we've learned in foreign policy over the last several decades is that opening and thawing relations with China didn't make China a perfect place. doesn't mean China has no human rights abuses, but it's a better world that we have a conversation with China than that we're at war with China. Especially when you're dealing with nuclear proliferation and you're dealing with a massive refugee crisis in Syria and and literally people are dying every single day. Uh, When you're dealing with, you know, a rogue state fighting proxy wars and funding terror like Iran. Uh, These are all really big issues that we got to start getting some, at least maybe finding some common ground because it would be a safer place for everybody. All right. The 2018 elections are here. Here's my take on what the Democratic Party is running on. And and I don't see an inspiring vision for the American people. One, they want to impeach Trump, but they're telling people like Maxine Waters, just don't say it publicly. They want open borders. They want to keep Obamacare. They want their crumbs back. They want the tax cuts back. And they hate Judge Kavanaugh because it's just a Trump pick. Um, Do you see any other agenda they're running on? No. And I would say that if I look at it from my viewpoint, I think 75, 80 percent chance Republicans hang on to the Senate. As far as the House, I think it's 50-50. Historically, a Republican president loses seats in the House in the midterms. Same way with the Democrat president. They lose Democrat seats. I think we can hang on to the House if the Republican haters of President Trump will pipe down, it's okay to have honest disagreements. Look, I've had, I've had a half dozen or a dozen disagreements with the president. He knows that I will sometimes vote against things that he proposes. But he also knows that when it's a partisan witch hunt, when the Democrats and these holier-than-thou Republicans come after him, that I will defend him. Because, look, he, he is a Republican president who I think has exceeded all expectations. Look, a great tax cut, regulatory reform, the economy booming because they're optimistic that the Democrats are not going to load down with regulations and new taxes. There's so much good going on, but the real danger in the fall is that you get Republicans who are out there whining and complaining about President Trump and that it divides the Republican Party and that some of these people either go over to the Democrat side or don't vote because of all the whining by Republicans who hate the president. I think it's a referendum the Democrats want to redo on 2016, and, and I do believe for the House Democrats, impeachment's on the table. All right, Senator Rand Paul, Kentucky, always good to talk to you. Thank you, sir, for being with us. Uh, 800-941-SEAN is our number. You want to be a part of the program. 
We now have to figure out how to deal with a president of the United States who wittingly or unwittingly has been compromised. What we saw yesterday was collusion, witting or unwitting, in the president's words and attitudes toward Putin. The president looked like a weak, dumpy stooge to a KGB spy. He had a chance to show loyalty to the men and women in uniform of America's military and intel community, and instead he betrayed them. Somebody needs to make it clear to President Trump that his behavior in that press conference was un-American, uh, outrageous, ridiculous, stupid. You had a one-word reaction to what you saw yesterday. Treason. Treason, yeah. Can we still call President Trump the leader of the free world? Can we still call him the leader of the United States? All he had to do was not, you know, put on jammies and crawl under the covers with Vladimir Putin, and he couldn't do that. I have never seen an American president simply surrender to the leader of Russia. You should call this the surrender summit. The definition it meets is the first word of the impeachment article in the Constitution, which is treason, bribery, and high crimes and misdemeanors. We all know that Vladimir Putin is holding something over Donald Trump. We do not know what it is, uh, but we know it must be something extraordinary. It's like the Twilight Zone. Glad you're with us. News Roundup Information Overload Hour on the Sean Hannity Show. You know, the amazing thing is they just keep ratcheting, ratcheting, ratcheting up. It's like they're becoming sicker and sicker and sicker by the day. You know, what started out as, you know, Trump derangement shock syndrome because they couldn't believe he won the primary. Bah, he's not going to win the general election, even with all the help of a rigged investigation into Hillary, even with, you know, the the power and force of the intelligence community coming down on him, even though FISA warrants opened up on a dossier full of Hillary Russian lies, and he still won. And then it became just total shock and depression and sadness, which turned into anger. And it's more getting more intense by the day. A level of psychotic ramblings by a by a corrupt news media that they can see nothing this man ever does is right. Cure cancer and they'll find something wrong with it. Give every American $10 million. They'll find something wrong with that. You know, just spew bizarre conspiracy theories with zero facts. And yet they claim to be news organizations. Liberal Joe, you know, really? He's got something. It's so big. He got him. He got him. Now, you guys have lost your minds, all of you. If it wasn't so serious, it's actually the funniest thing I've ever seen. It is a collective meltdown by the establishment. Because the establishment is being shattered. They literally, their illusion is crumbling before their eyes. As the president calls them out, mocks them, makes fun of them, and does something even more profound, which is he's successful. The economy was setting record after record after record. And they can't handle the success. You know, little rocket man and my button's bigger than yours and it works and fire and fury. We've got major wins in North Korea. He did keep his promise on Jerusalem. He did keep his promise and got us out of that ridiculous Iranian deal, which half of these idiots supported, if not all of them. 
Thought it was a good idea to try and bribe the mullahs chanting death to America, death to Israel, burning our flag, the Israeli flag. This is who they are, and they've been exposed. And the great news is the people, we, the people, you know, the people that smell, that go to Walmart, you know, we irredeemable deplorables that cling to our God, our, our Second Amendment, guns, our Bibles, our religion. All of us, we like the success. The forgotten men and women are getting the jobs that they had lost that Obama said would never come back again, manufacturing jobs and others. And opportunity exists at a level we've never seen before. We have more jobs available than people on un- unemployment. Two or two few, two million fewer people on food stamps. The highest labor participation rate we've ever had. 14 states record low unemployment numbers. Record low unemployment for African Americans, Hispanic Americans, and women in the workplace. All of this, oh, and America's on a path towards energy independence. Oh, and he's building the wall with the money that he has now and moving forward and, and is hell-bent on keeping that promise. Anyway, joining us, Kaylee McEnany is with us, the author of The New American Revolution, The Making of a Populist Movement. Jeff Lord, former associate political director in the Reagan administration, columnist, uh, both survivors of fake news uh, CNN. I don't know how you live there. I don't even think they even they, they don't even try to hide their bias anymore. They're all in to destroy Trump. It's all destroy Trump 24-7. He, he can't do anything right ever. Anyway, how are you guys? Doing great. Doing great. great keep, Sean. keep in mind, CNN's losing ratings. About a third they're down. So uh, viewers yeah. are leaving. Well, we, we more than we doubled them. Yeah. <laughs> um, there, there are nights they can't even break a million viewers. It's that bad. But, you know, why, why stop a good thing? Why would I want them to improve? <laughs> That's right. You know, makes my job well, easier. Know, Sean, I... I, I'm I'm glad you played all those tapes because I think uh, the Trump campaign is going to have to get out the books because those tapes are going to count as an in-kind contribution to the Trump campaign. <laughs> I'm it's, certain of it. It's true. I mean, isn't that what the amazing part is? It's all backfired. Right. Right. You know, I, I guarantee I mean, if are... the president went out on the road today and gave one of his rallies and he talked about the fake news media, the same thing would happen. They'd start chanting fake news and CNN sucks. That's right. right. Those, That's they've, exactly they've completely right. lost it, and, and it's backfiring. And, and, Sean, you know, the American people duly elected President Trump to be the leader of the free world. Uh, and the left, and I include the media, they're the aiding and abetting arm of the left, uh, has done everything they can to remove this man from power, starting, you know, within the deep bowels of the FBI with Peter Strzok. They tried to prevent him from becoming president, and he becomes president. Then all of a sudden we've got to have a recount. Then all of a sudden there's collusion. Then talk of impeachment. Then, oh, look at his mental health. They're doing everything they can to thwart the will of the people, but it's backfiring, plain and simple. You know, I think the thing is, is that's the amazing part. I think the great untold story is the president's connection to Donald Trump with the people. I, you know, I, I think he gains more states if the election is held in 2018 than he got in 2016. But the problem is he's not on the ballot. And the problem is the Democrats historically would win at an off year election like this, a midterm election. Um, But I do believe that if the president makes the case that the Democrats want to impeach him, keep Obamacare, want open borders, and we won't make progress, I'm pretty certain that he could probably motivate and generate a lot of support among his base. Uh, What do you think, Jeff Lord? Yeah, they they are his best ally. I mean, and he's doing the right thing is to make Maxine Waters 
the face of the party to make the, the Alexandra, uh, what's her name there in New York, uh, as a socialist, make her the face of the Democratic Party. You know, I, I, you love history, Sean and, and Kaylee. I went back and looked. In 1950, there was a congressman from New York, not unlike she intends to be. He was a socialist, a communist, in essence, named Vito Marcantonio. Richard Nixon used him, used his houseboats and everything to uh, against the uh, the candidate he was running against for the U.S. Senate, who was a Democratic member of Congress. They put it on a pink sheet, put it out. She became the pink lady and lost to Nixon. They used this guy, and he was from New York. He wasn't even from California. You can bet that there are going to be candidates all over this country that are going to be using Maxine Waters on the Republican side, going to be using Maxine Waters and this candidate in New York as the new face of the Democratic Party, and it's not a good thing for them. Yeah, what do you think, Kaylee? I mean, it's funny because they come out with a – there's a certain ferocity. You know, it's like a spinning tornado that is there one second and then – they, they they use it to see if it sticks, if it's going to be it, and now all of a sudden they get pushed back, and it seems to just the waters have calmed. But for a few minutes there, they thought they had them. They thought we say treason, treason, treason enough, and we say it loud enough, but we're going to get this done, and then it backs off. Right. That's, that's what they always do. They always overplay their hand. This is what the left does. They overplay their hand, just like in those clips you played. They reach for comparing a press conference to 9-11, comparing a press conference to Pearl Harbor. The average American sees that and thinks that is absolutely insane. They listen to Maxine Waters calling for violent protests. They think it is insane. They see Kathy Griffin holding up the decapitated head of the president. They think it is insane insane. The average American does not support that. This is a center-right country on average. They don't support socialism. They don't support violence. And they don't support the insanity of the left. What do you think the president at this point does? Because as we go into 2018, and I'm going to have a lot more about what's going to be really important in this election season next week. But this is the agenda. It's impeach Trump. Don't say it. We want the crumbs back. Say it. Uh, We want open borders. Just don't do anything about it. And they'll remain open. And we want Obamacare. They'll say that. And, of course, oppose Trump at any front when it comes to a judicial nominee. But I say Kavanaugh gets confirmed. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. He gets confirmed. And the president and and, uh, I worked on this in 1986 when Reagan had an off year election. We sent him out into these House districts. We had a we, we lost five seats that year. And I think the average loss was supposed to be 32. and We only lost five. And it's because the president himself. A, raised money for the House candidates, and then B, showed up in their districts and sometimes did uh, little promo films with them that, you know, they'd come to the White House and we'd film them together and all that sort of thing. That's exactly what the president is doing, in essence. And he just needs to step it up and do more of it, which I'm sure he will as we get closer. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, I, I, it's just fascinating because I think the president has been strategically headed to certain states where so certain Senate campaigns are going to take place. Um, will Claire McCaskill and Joe Manchin and Bill Nelson and Heidi Heitkamp and Donnelly in Indiana and a bunch of them, will they be able to pull off a, an election year conversion and support the president's Supreme Court nominee, uh, knowing that the second they're reelected, they'll go back to being a steady, solid vote for Chuck Schumer, Kaylee? No, absolutely not. You know, we work hard every day at the RNC exposing these frauds, and this is what they are, frauds. Remember, not a single Democrat not Joe Manchin, not Heidi Heitkamp, not Joe Donnelly, not a single one voted for tax cuts. 
Not a single one voted to keep the government open, instead allowing it to shut down for illegal immigrants over U.S. children. This is what they are. They are frauds. Now they're putting out these campaign ads saying, we stand with the president. No, you do not. You never have. You never will. We will expose you. That's what we do every day. We've got to expose these people. That's why we need Tax Cuts 2.0 vote. We need to see how they vote on Kavanaugh. We're going to expose them, their hypocrisy. You know, they may talk like Donald Trump, but I guarantee you they vote like Chuck Schumer. Well, there seems steady, reliable, you know, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi votes. Um, but I want I want Nancy to stay right where she is. A lot of people say maybe it's time for somebody to take Nancy Pelosi's position. I'm all in favor of her staying the minority leader as long as she wants. Hey, yeah, by the way, yeah, I you, agree. Yeah, right. Well, it's, well, why ruin a good thing? It'd be like CNN replacing their programming. That would be a really dumb idea. I like what they have. All right, as we continue with Kaylee McEnany is with us, the New American Revolution, the making of a populist movement. Jeff Lord is with us, former associate political director in the Reagan administration, columnist, both survivors of CNN. So what, there's going to be probably about 50 House seats that I'm pretty much identifying now that make up the bulk of, of what's going to happen in 2018. In other words, competitive races. Then you got the Senate. That's a separate entity. I think there's a, not, a lot of opportunities for Republicans to pick up seats if they're smart. So if you're the president, what level of involvement do you have for these Senate and House ra- races, Jeff Lord? Go go all in. Absolutely go go all in. Where, where presidents in the past have, have uh, struck out or, or had a problem is that they don't put put their own energies into this and leave it to, you know, other folks on the party trail. Um, make a theme, you know, like uh, Newt Gingrich did in 1994 with a contract with America. And, of course, Bill Clinton was in the White House, and Newt, I remember, famously got all those uh, Republican candidates together on the Capitol steps and said, this is where we stand, this is what we pledge, this is our contract to you. What, what about Americans that are listening right now, and they know they have a rhino Republican, but if the Democrat wins, they would vote with Nancy Pelosi and Maxine Waters to impeach President Trump. What do they do? Yeah, you got to go with a with the Republican, uh, you know, you got to suck it. You basically got to suck it up. You got to suck it up because the very first vote they have is organizing the House. What do you and think, Kaylee? What, what do you say? Because there's going to be a lot of people calling me. My my congressman sucks. My my Republican senator sucks. You know, you, you have to suck it up. The stakes are simply too high. You know, we monitor these primaries every single week, and, and you may be choosing between a wishy-washy, you know, moderate Republican. I can tell you what the alternative is. It's this socialist like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. It's a socialized medicine-loving individual in Nebraska named Kara Eastman. It's the various radical Democrats that we see in California. The alternative are Chuck Schumer lapdogs, are Nancy Pelosi lapdogs that aren't just Democrats. They are socialists. They want to change the economic system of this country. So vote for your moderate Republican. We All have right. to have them. We'll give you guys the last word. Kaylee McEnany, Jeff Lord, thanks for being with us. When we come back, wide open phones, 800-941-SEAN is our number. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We have an amazing Hannity. We'll tell you about that. 9 Eastern on the Fox News Channel. Oh, we are going to level the corrupt intelligence officials that Trump was actually talking about. News you will not get anywhere else. Naming names tonight at 9. One of your fiercest critics has been uh, Sean Hannity of Fox News. What was your reaction yesterday when in court on something very different, uh, the hearing into uh, what was raided by the FBI, the organization you used to head, uh, of his person, of 
Michael Cohen, the personal attorney for Donald Trump, about his documents, it was disclosed that he, Hannity, was a client of Cohen's. What was your reaction there? I don't know enough to have a reaction. I saw those headlines. I was running around yesterday. This guy eviscerates you every night. You had no reaction? I've actually never watched his show. I know he eviscerates me because I hear it secondhand, but I really didn't because I know enough to know that I often can't know what's going on in an investigation or a case from what I see in the media, as good as the media can be. And so I, I really don't have a reaction. You, you've never seen Sean Hannity Mm-mm. on television? No, never. He's going to be very disappointed when you... Yeah, I don't want to hurt his feelings, but yeah. he's got plenty of other viewers. He doesn't need me. Well, he'll take it out on you even more, perhaps. <laughs> no, I'll invite him on again. Well, uh, he gave a comment yesterday, Jim did, Comey, and he goes on, having sold our nation out on an international stage, Mr. Trump will now explain it all to Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson. I'm guessing that uh, RT and Sputnik weren't available. He owes it to our nation to sit down with a serious journalist, he tweeted out, as he now has joined the chorus now of left-wing, yeah, Clapper, Brennan, Philip Mudd, Panetta, Comey, Chucky Schumer reminding us they'll get you six ways in Sundays. Yeah, I guess Donald Trump didn't trust that intel community, that group of intelligence operatives. Why should he? Look how look how they have said and done everything they can to undermine him while they're out of office. And now we're beginning to find out what they did abusing their powers while in office. Pretty unbelievable. Uh, all right. Victor is 13 years old. He's in Queens. He's listening to our flagship, the all new AM 710 WOR. What's up, Victor? How are you, sir? Good. Thank you for having me on the show. Um, I wanted to share a comment uh, of North Korea. How could anyone say that um, Trump Trump didn't do a good job handling North Korea while they haven't been testing the nukes for, for nine months already? They haven't shot a missile over Japan. They're not threatening the entire region with nuclear weapons. They're not threatening Guam. They're not threatening the continental United States. They released our hostages. We now have an agreement to get the remains of American soldiers back. And yet we're talking about the denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula, which I'm sure will take time. These things don't happen with the snap of a finger. Let me ask you a question. How did you get to be so smart? What grade are you in, Victor? I'm seventh grade. Seventh grade. Do you like school? You going into seventh or you going into eighth? I'm going into eighth. You're going into eighth grade. So you're 13 years old. Do you like school? I love it. You love school. Now, do you mm-hmm. go to just the local public school or do you go no, to a... No, pa- no, 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 public school, private school. You go to a good private school. I won't ask you what school it is. It's a and- Jewish school. They, they're mm-hmm. conservative school. And what makes you... what? Why do you love politics that much at 13? Because when I was your age, I did too. I love sports and I love politics. Why do you like it so much? It affects everyone. I, I like when we have a safe environment. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think it's um, it's a great subject. And you like President Trump. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. And do you think he's being treated unfair by people when you watch the media? Can you tell when they're lying to you? Obviously. (laughs) When they open their mouths. What are you, stupid, Hannity? Of course. They open their mouth, they're lying. Um, Well, good for you, and um, you sound like a great kid. What do you want to be when you get older? Do you know? Another Sean Hannity. Oh, another. No, you just be Victor, whatever your last name is. You be yourself, and it sounds like you're well on your way to a lot of success. Um, Thank you so much. I wish you all the best. God bless you, and, and good luck in everything you do. 
Thank wow. you. You're a very impressive young Victor, man. Victor, I know Sean's not saying it, but he wants to. We're going to send you a football and a nice picture and some other stuff as well. No, I'm not going to send the picture because I hate that picture that we send out I don't of care me. if you hate it. It's a very nice picture. I'm gonna, We're going to send Victor a picture. I will send you a football and a book. How's that? Is that okay, Victor? That's right. Thank you. And a picture. And and no picture. But unless you're going to promise you'll put darts in it. Will you put darts? Throw darts in <laughs> No, he's not going to do that. Victor, promise you'll throw darts. You can have the picture. <laughs> I promise. Okay, there we go. We have a deal. Um, he's negotiating like Trump at the age of 13. The art of the deal. You just told him the art of the deal. He uh, put think darts he in your face. I think he already had it. Uh, Joe and Ella J, our good friend Joe. What's up, Joe? How are you? Sean, I just want to say that Donald John Trump could not have a better friend in America than Sean Hannity. And I predict that your great radio show with 14 million listeners is going to give the Republicans a win in November in the midterms and, and, a, and re-elect Trump with the biggest margin in history. Love your show. I watch it every night. Listen uh, to the radio. Thank you, Joe. And there couldn't be anybody better than Sean Hannity. Thank you for all you do. Well, starting Monday, Joe is in the right place. Thank you, Joe. We're gonna we're gonna be all over the 2018 elections. We're gonna tell you what is at stake. We're gonna tell you what their strategy is, what their plan is, and what is important if you don't want Maxine Waters' wish to impeach 45 to happen. It is a referendum election on the president, even though he's not on the ballot. Uh, Michelle is in North Carolina, Cary, North Carolina. How are you, Michelle? Glad you called. Hey, I'm doing great, Sean. Thank you for taking my call, and I agree with the caller before. I just wanted to say it's time for us to take back this narrative, and it's time. I so appreciate everything that you and other conservative um, TV hosts are doing to point out what Trump is doing, because words are cheap, and that's what we've had for the last decades of my life is just politicians that give you words, and they can look at a teleprompter, and they can tell a nice joke, and they can smile, and it can all be a part of a popularity contest. Well, I tell you what. If Trump really loves Putin and wants to support Russia, then why did he send the mother of all bombs against Syria as a message to them that they needed to step it up? Why did he put, why did he put um, you know, restrictions on Russia within his first year of office? Why in heaven's name did he go tell Angela Merkel that you need to stop doing business with Putin when he knew he was going to be meeting with Putin three days later? This makes absolutely no sense. The man, what, what, the, what the left is threatened by is this is the first truly civil servant that we've ever had as president of the United States. He has nothing to gain by being president and by being attacked. He has more money than he can ever spend, a family who loves him. He's 70, what, two stinking years old. He could just sit and enjoy his life and go to his golf courses. And what does he do? He puts himself out there on the front lines to give power back to the American people. The media can't stand it because his tweets are, are overriding everything that they say. And he's going directly to us. And the left can't stand it because he knows they know that he has a plan to make us great, and their only plan is to drive us into the ground and to create socialism in this nation. You know, I'm listening to these calls today. We have the best, smartest, brightest audience I've ever heard. He does, no, I, I, he's, it's costing him money, and he's now living under fire 24-7. This is the thanks you get for trying to serve your country. Now, you're right. Right. It is, uh, it's, but you know what? Thank God he's willing to serve. Just like everybody that puts on a uniform every day, they serve. And anybody that's friends with Trump, I'm telling there's a certain amount of, you know, if you believe in this agenda and you like this economic renaissance that's unfolding before our eyes, and you love the fact that forgotten men and women are getting opportunity again, and you believe in national security and, and America first and better trade deals and, and border security and dismantling Obamacare and tax cuts and deregulation, it's 
all happening, and it's happening in an environment where this is a kill-and-destroy environment. They want to destroy anybody that, that supports the president, and certainly they want to destroy him. It's been about delegitimizing him and stopping him any way they can. He's got all these forces against him. We, there is a deep state. We've been talking about it for the better part of the day. Uh, they're after him. Democrats are after him. Weak Republicans that have no vision or backbone or ability to be leaders in any way. They're opposing him. They're afraid of their own shadows. They just want to be part of the swamp. Just being called congressman to them is a success. Not doing anything for the people. That's 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 way down on the list. Um, and then, all then of course, the never Trumpers, they want to be proven right because all these great things are happening. And that but the people see it. There's a disconnect now that has never been this big between news media in this country, the left in this country and the people of this country. And all of these attacks like they came on with their own version of political fire and fury about Helsinki, and it's been debunked. By the time you go over the truth and the facts and you explain it to people, it's like it was their latest last gasp to get him. There's going to be these flurries from now until Election Day. See, we got him. We got him. Look at that. We got him. We got him. Okay, we got him. In the, we got him now. You know, it's... They're looking, they're hoping, they're praying, they want something. And in the end of the day, they not only do they want him delegitimized, they want him out of office. That's really what has been going on and continues to go on. And in some cases, they're breaking the law. And in some cases, they're using the powerful tools of intelligence that we have equipped them with to do it, which makes it an extraordinarily dangerous, dangerous time for this country. Anyway, good call. We really appreciate it. 800-941-SEAN is my number. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, Kate is next. Kate, hi. How are you in Maine? You're on the Sean Hannity Show. Hi, Sean. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you to Linda for getting me through. Um, I just want to pretty much reiterate everything that Senator Paul said. God bless that 13-year-old boy and the caller before. President Trump is getting treated very badly. They don't respect him. After President Obama goes over and basically apologizes for everything good we tried to do to help our allies and apologizes for it, Trump is being open-minded, and he's saying, I'm going to look at all the evidence. And anybody who watched the whole thing would see, I watched, the, I watched what he had to say, and he was being reasonable. He didn't say anything wrong. He didn't kiss anybody's, you know, patootie or anything. He's being reasonable. And mm-hmm. he's a negotiator. He's not going to, you know bad mouth Mr. Putin right in front of him. That's not, you know, I, I just feel so bad for the man. because How great was the cut we played for. last night? The person that also said that was Barack Obama. Yeah. I mean, Mr. Trump says that, and God bless him and his family and people like you and the rest of us who just want to see this country get better. And I don't follow anybody blindly, but I respect him immensely because, like the caller before said, he doesn't, he doesn't have to put himself in this situation. And I don't know why people get so surprised the way he acts. If you go back and look and historically when he's done interviews, he said if the country got too bad and he thought he had to step in, he would have. He told that to Oprah how many years ago. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's doing, I think he's doing a great job. And I think there's a lot more people who agree that she's doing a good job. And you don't like everything he has to say, but he's doing what he, I think he has a good heart and he's trying to make the country great. And I think it's, I think people need to back off. And I think NBC and all those other stations are going to start to see, I don't watch him anymore. I watch Fox News and that's it. Listen, no. I, they they have chased the audience away at these networks and at these cable channels. And I'll tell you, because, you know, we've always talked about media bias. And and I think I chronicled it more than 
anybody in 2007 and 2008 and for the entire eight years Barack Obama was president. I mean, they did have a thrill up their leg. Uh, They did, you know, kiss his feet. They did, you know, give him wet kisses on the lips every day. They never told you how bad his presidency was, which paved the way for Donald Trump. When you add 13 million more Americans to food stamps and 8 million more are in poverty and you have the lowest labor participation rate, we right now, because of Trump, we have the highest labor participation rate ever in the country's history. Obama's the only president never to reach 3% GDP growth. It'll be interesting to see what the second quarter GDP is. There are predictions it'll be over 4%, which would be a miracle, which we haven't seen in forever. Um, And that means people, we have more jobs available than we have people on unemployment. It's incredible. Two million fewer people on food stamps now under President Trump. You know, we now have a real recovery in progress. The Fed yesterday mentioning that the economy is really chugging along at a really, really great growth pace, which is what we've always wanted. Manufacturing jobs that Obama said were never coming back. They're coming back in the hundreds of thousands. And why does this matter? What, what was 2016 all about? Well, it wasn't about Vladimir Putin. It was about which is important, you know, because obviously they were willing to use Russian lies to propagate, you know, Hillary Clinton's or, or prop up Hillary Clinton's uh, campaign. And they did, and they paid for them, and that was to design, bought, and paid for lies disseminated by people like Brennan and Harry Reid for the very purpose of lying to the American people about an opposition party candidate. It went beyond their usual talking points that Republicans want dirty air, water, want to kill grandma, and throw her over a cliff, and that Republicans are racist, sexist, misogynist, homophobic, xenophobic, and uh, Islamophobic. You notice the agenda of the Democrats this election season doesn't go beyond, we want to impeach the president, but we're not going to say it. We want our crumbs back. They are saying that. We want open borders. They don't want to fund the wall, nor do they want to solve the immigration crisis in the country. And they want Obamacare. And they, But they really want Trump out of office. And they would try to make his life an investigative living hell if, if they ever get control of these House committees. And the hardest decision that many of us are going to have to make is you're going to have some weak, wino, rhino, visionless Republican that you're going to have to vote for so the president doesn't get impeached. It's going to be a, a problem for well over 100 people in 100 districts. But I don't think that, I, to me, it's not even an option. We've got to keep this progress going. And Democrats want to stop it in its tracks. The single biggest threat to their power is more Donald Trump's success. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Let not your heart be troubled. Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern, a little over three hours from now. Devin Nunes on how the FBI and the DOJ are obstructing the Trump probe because they want the Democrats to take over Congress. Now, this is a huge scandal. Also, Steve Scalise, 9 Eastern, and a monologue that I think you're going to want to keep the information to use for your friends. It's all happening tonight at 9, three hours from right now. Thanks for being with us. See you then, and we'll see you back here tomorrow. I'm
I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.